Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 at the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle of the New York football giants. Thanks so much for being with us. I'm Madeline Burke alongside Lance Meadow. You can join us on social media at Madeline Burke, at Lance Meadow, M-E-D-O-W. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and the phone number, of course, is 201-939-4513, or you can find us on Twitter or on X or whatever you're calling it these days at hashtag Giants Chat. Are you calling reminder. it X, by the way? You know, some I didn't mean people to cut you off. Are. Yeah. No, go ahead, because yeah. it's like some people are, and I'm just like, I can't. Like if I if I were to say find us on X, it it, sounds it doesn't like, flow off the tongue right it the same way. It yeah. doesn't flow, and I still feel like I have to quantify that X that the X formerly known as Twitter. Yeah, it's the too much. Formerly known as Prince, all of that <laughs> stuff. You know, I'm sticking old school. Exactly. I'm sticking with Twitter. Sticking yeah. with Twitter. Keep that bird gang going. All yep. that kind of stuff. And as a reminder, you can also find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and on Giants.com slash podcasts uh lance lots to get into today a tuesday newsday uh minus the newsday i guess you know i was gonna say yeah players are off uh good luck trying to spin that one so i know yeah. i know i feel like you know when we throw it out there we just hope for the best uh <laughs> you know of course it's the off day this week um got some chicken soup in the cafeteria it's a little chilly out here and the giants looking to turn the page back at metlife stadium on sunday for the first non-primetime game at home this season yeah, it's been uh, a while. Yeah. Four in the first six games are all on primetime. Yeah, but yeah. Bo- both of the home games. We had a Sunday Correct. night at yep. home and a Monday night Dallas at home. Dallas and Seattle. And so yep. it'll be nice to have just, you know, garden variety, 1 p.m. division game against the Commanders at MetLife Stadium. And, uh, you know, a lot to build off with this this game against Buffalo, too. Well, in terms of building, I mean, let's start there with yeah. what you were referring to. You know, the defense really pulled a 180 and kept this Bills offense in check. So that's extremely encouraging. The fact that we weren't talking about missed tackles, we weren't talking about missed assignments, we weren't talking about miscues. They did a really nice job containing Buffalo. If you look at the Bills offense, and they seem to carry over their sluggishness from the Jacksonville game right. when they went to London. There's now two straight games where they were a bit of sleepwalking, I would say, for three quarters, and then they woke up right in the fourth quarter. But you yeah. got to give the Jaguars or the Giants defenses credit. And... The way that I view a good defensive performance is it's not so much, Madeline, the sacks, the quarterback hits. 
It's can you limit the explosive plays, right? Which was a major issue if you go back to that Dolphins game, right? Tyree Kill, you name it. And you go through the plays for the Bills. Their longest run was for fourteen. Okay, you can mm-hmm. live with that, right? I can live with that. And the longest pass play was to Stephon Diggs for twenty-eight, and you could certainly live with that too. I mean, Diggs had ten catches for hundred yards, but we're talking about his longest was twenty-eight, and he had I think one other catch for twenty. Everything else was in the teens, so. They kept everybody in front of them. They didn't have that back-breaking, game-changing play that they allowed. And you do that, you're going to see a performance in this ballpark of what they showed against the Bills. Well, and you mentioned Diggs with 100 yards. Diggs has only gone under 100 yards once this season. So that's just a garden-variety day at the office for Stephon Diggs. Um, So that outside of things, you know, and to be fair, the Bills did everything they could to lose that game. They had two wide right field goals. Um, There were a lot of opportunities for this Giants team. It's a tough position to be in if you're the Giants looking at that one like, oh, shoulda, coulda, woulda. But it's also a good position because you're like, wow, coulda, shoulda, woulda. I mean, building off of this, and you mentioned the defense, too, that week in and week out, we're seeing strides and growth from this defense. Offensively, we started seeing some things clicking as well. Just want to give a hat tip, a round of applause, applause, a bouquet of flowers to Justin Pugh, straight off the couch, coming in here, starting at left guard. He he thought he was going to get some minimal work in there. Josh Azudu goes down, of course, with that toe injury, so he slides over and left left tackle, plays the entire game. Um, And the offense was able to kind of get the ball out, Get some bigger plays. You know, you saw him sending it downfield, Darius Slayton. You saw Saquon Barkley ripping off some chunk plays as well. So if that chunk play ability can continue uh, in week seven, you got to be optimistic about some growth on the offensive side of the ball too. Well, the offensive line stood up against the Bills where we weren't talking about playing the trenches, defining the game. And you can see when you keep your house in order, right, you're able to do some of those other things. They did have the two splash plays that you referenced. Barkley had the 34-yard run. They had the 31-yard catch to Darius Slayton, and there were other other, opportunities too. And that 43 yard was wiped out from a penalty. penalty, Correct. So, you know, they were putting themselves in a position where they were able to take some chances down the field, and you need that because this Giants offense cannot survive going 13 plays, 12 plays consistently. Negative things are going to happen, penalties, turnovers, you name it. It's no coincidence, Madeline, that the favorable field position was something also that the Giants benefited from. Right. Because if you look at all three of their scoring drives came on drives where they started at the Giants 44 or 42 or 43 or 41. That's where mm-hmm. all the starting field position, the unfortunate part was they didn't finish drives, the red zone. You were 0 for 5 and, you know, you get a touchdown here, you get an extra field goal there. Does it change the outcome of the game? I don't know. I'm not a believer that if you give them the field goal at the end of the first half that we just make it 14-12, they get down the field, they win on 15-14. The reason being is, because I would argue, Madeline, I think Sean McDermott rethinks taking that long field goal if it's a two-point game, and I don't think he runs the risk of giving the Giants the ball right around field goal range. I think he punts, Mm -hmm. he pins the Giants back, and he says see if you could go 85 to 90 yards. So that's why I would disagree with people that say that last drive at the end of the first half lost them the game. You don't know the decision-making that's going to follow after that. Right, and you would think, all things being equal, you want to take the points there, but it's like the butterfly effect. One thing changes, oh, yeah. and so many things in a ripple in a wave and that's my change point. because of sure. it. So that's a great point to make because a lot of people, you're saying, well, they could have gotten the points there, they could have gotten the points there. Had they, at the different point, that would have changed the flow of the rest of the game, that would change the decision-making on both sides. Um, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Sure. Um, yeah. And and it's it, you know it's important to kind of keep things 
moving and keep things focused on the positives on the fact that you know you got the the turnover differential is a point of emphasis right now for this defense or plus five in the last two weeks after being minus eight for the first four yeah. um and they're going against the washington team on sunday who you know i, I know sam howell's protected the ball well as of late he's had just one turnover in the last three games but on the year he's had six interceptions and two fumbles and he's among the league leaders in um losing the ball and so can the giants continue to capitalize that against a quarterback that not only you know has some ball security issues but also has been sacked a league leading 34 times has been hit more than any other quarterback in the league this is an opportunity for this giants defense to take what they've been building off of the last two weeks against miami and buffalo and really kind of dominate in a game like this. Well, it's an attractive matchup, as you mentioned. I still would say the other side of the equation, though, Madeline, is what does the offense do with some of those favorable opportunities? Because you go back to this Buffalo game, to your point, they were plus two. But you only got limited points off of those favorable field positioning opportunities. So, you know, it's much like time of possession. I say it over and over again on this show. You can win the turnover differential. You can win that battle. You can win time of possession. But it's all about the production that's tied to those two factors. If you don't capitalize, really, what difference does it make? I'm with you. Washington has not been great with the football. And there could be opportunities to continue this theme. But if you set up the offense around midfield... Do they walk away with three points or do they walk away with a touchdown? That, to me, is going to be the major difference. And as much as we love and respect Graham Gano and appreciate everything, he can't be the only only participant on the offensive side of scoring. Well, I mean, think about it, Madeline. It's hard to win games when you've got less than 10 points, right? right? The five losses, they've scored 16 points or less in all five. Mm -hmm. They've had 10 or less in three of the five. Your defense could continue to play fantastic, but if you're only giving them 10 points to work with, you would say, you go out, right? You hold the Buffalo Bills to 14 points. Yeah. I don't care what defense you are, what team. I would say you're going to be in a position to win that football game. Absolutely. Because very few teams can do that. But then if you tell me the offense is only giving you nine, now all of a sudden I'm going to start singing a different tune. And right. that, to me, is what defined Sunday's game. And the Giants offense is going to have to get it together against a Washington defense that puts a lot of pressure on as well. Sure. I mean, you got Montez Sweat, Chase Young, Jonathan Allen, all with three or more sacks on the season. Um, the fact and that Deron they, Payne is another guy Deron to watch Payne out for. Payne put yep. on the pain as well. I mean, with a name like Deron Payne, too, <laughs> you know that's an intimidating one. Uh, but yeah, so there's a lot to look at with this matchup. But we're going to get into some callers because the phone lines are already lighting up on Big Blue Kickoff Live today. Uh, before we do, though, I want to make sure to remind you guys, join us on Sunday, November 5th at Blue Ale House in Riverdale, New Jersey, to watch the Giants take on Las Vegas. Enjoy Modelo drink specials, meet a Giants legend, and enter a raffle to win game tickets and more. Visit Giants.com slash bar network to learn more. Every time I get that one right, I'm so proud of myself. Call in <laughs> number is 201-939-4513. Big Blue Kickoff Live with Madeline Burke and Lance Meadow. Uh, we've got Rod on the line. Rod, you're on Big Blue Kickoff Live with Madeline and Lance. Hey, Madeline and Lance. Good afternoon. How you um, I'm doing okay, all things considered, uh, with our record. So my question, I have a question concern, and then I'll tell you the reasons for that. And that is, is is Coach losing the team uh, behind him? And I'll tell you why I'm concerned about this. Number one, I go to most all of the games. The away games, I'm usually in the first row behind the Giants bench. Last year, the Minnesota playoff game, he was inspirational, hugging, hugging players telling them to think, 
high five. It's very inspirational. This year, it's not just that they're showing on the big screen. When he's aggravated, he's throwing stuff down. He's short. He's walking away from people. But more concerning than that is, in his post-game pressers, like when we left the Miami game, I went with my son and my dad. I took him down to Miami. And I, I, the questions were asked in the post-game uh, press conference. And I was answering them before, respectfully, Coach Dayball was. What do you have to do? Uh, complimentary football. Yep, working on it. Yep, talk to him every day. It's the same answers. We're not to the point of Ray Perkins back in the late 70s, but I don't know how we got from Coach of the Year to these lethargic three-sentence answers well, Rod, that, aren't, that aren't changing. Rod, in, in fairness, if you go back to last season, Brian Dable did not give very detailed responses. That's who he is. That would be my response to you. I think you're reading way too much into it. He comes from, once again, the Bill Belichickian school of thought. You have to think about who he was influenced by. He was a longtime Patriots assistant. Does Bill give very detailed, authentic responses? He gives one-word responses, whether the team is winning by 50 or right now in this season they're losing by 25. So I would not read into that. My next question to you is, do you think the team played hard against the Buffalo Bills? Best I've ever seen this year. Okay. So, so, then, so then how could you then question whether or not he's losing the team then? Why would a team play hard if the coach is losing the messaging and it's not getting towards the players? The players played hard. So clearly, I don't think there's a disconnect there under those circumstances, right? Well, I'll, I'll say one more thing and then I'll take it offline and you can finish it. And, and I respect what you're saying, Lance, but, but like, like Parcells used to say, you win or you lose and we lost. We're one in, we're sure. one in five. And, and it's, but we can only start talking and keep talking about the offensive line for so long, and yes, they played hard, um, but they're not winning. They're losing, well, and at what point in time is there an attrition in, in the locker room? And I, and I know the other players, they're speaking very highly of him in the locker room, and I think he's awesome. Don't get me wrong. I just My concern is how many more losses in a row before there's fatigue in that locker well, room? Rod, and, and, Rod I'm going to jump in here because you mentioned you went to the Miami game with your son, right? Okay, so you have a son, and you know how many times you say, okay, we're going to do this, and if you are if you have a kid who's, like, not listening, it gets frustrating, right, as a parent sometimes? Yeah. And you, you're like, I don't, I don't have anything else to say. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why he's not listening. I don't know why he's not listening. I think sometimes as a coach, you find yourself in a similar situation. Listen, I don't have any answers right now. It's not like he's being short to be curt or to be an a-hole. It's like, I don't know what to tell you. I'm trying. We're trying. We're working on this. This is, you know, a lot at the core. The same team from last year. This is the same coach from last year. This is a tough schedule. This is some challenges that they're facing. And he's just as frustrated as as fans are, I think. And that is what you're seeing is, is that this is a human being who is trying to communicate some things or some things to the team. And perhaps, you know, things are being lost in translation. And much like, you know, when a parent and child relationship and you're like, hey, this is what I need you to do. Why? I've told you so many times to take out the trash. Why don't you take out the trash? I don't have any reasons why you're not taking out the trash. Think of it that way. And, and when you see sometimes that frustration, it's like I told you, we've we've gone over this. And so sometimes that could be what you're seeing as well. See, Rod, I wouldn't judge the press conference because I think the relationship and the interaction that he has with players in the locker room is completely different. Absolutely. And I think that how you interact with the media, he's trying to shield his guys and he's being tight-lipped. Once again... That's who he is. You've seen press conferences, right? When they've introduced new Giants coaches or around the NFL, 
They get you all worked up. You want to run through a brick wall. Does it automatically lead to great results? So, you know, those first impressions don't really add up. That's why I don't read into press conferences. I don't read into media interactions. I'm not telling you to take away brownie points because I'm with you. Wins and losses, there's a fine line between them both. So just because the team's playing hard is not supposed to make you feel better. But that doesn't mean there's a disconnect between the head coach and the player. That's all I'm saying. Okay, understood. Thanks so, thanks so much for the, the call. call, Rod. Appreciate it. I think it's interesting, too, because, you know, you see the frustration and sometimes people are like, oh, my gosh, it's so frustrating. But what would you rather? I mean, would you rather a coach like, oh, it's okay. You want somebody to be disappointed sure. that you're not doing better because that means that he believes that you can do better. And he sees your your potential is up here. If he was accepting this level of performance and saying, oh, you know what? It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. That means that there's no belief that you are better than than what is being delivered right now. Well, I mean, listen, some people express emotions differently. I mean, you, you were using the example as a parent and a kid. Some people wear it on their sleeves, and right. Dable clearly after games wears it on his sleeves. You know, the frustration of not being able to finish that last drive in the first half. They're not robots. You know, right. we're all not robots. Right. We're going to sometimes not think about the cameras are on you, so you have to put on, you know, this clean face for everybody to feel good about themselves at home. I just, yeah. I don't view the world like that. So I understand it's an emotional game. They're highly invested in these games. I think all of those things are positives. And I just, I don't look at Brian Dable being frustrated on the field as a means of him screaming and yelling at his guys during the week and them right. all just turning him off and looking the other way and saying, we're not listening to him anymore. No, it's accountability. And that's what it is. And people express yep. and experience accountability in different ways, but that is what they're seeing. Um, and I think to a man in this locker room, he still has absolutely the, the utmost respect from this team, from this organization. And, you know, the frustration is there just like fans at home are frustrated, just like players within that locker room are frustrated. Coaches are frustrated, too, because this is not how they had hoped the start of the season would well, go. And it's also their livelihood, too. Absolutely. Let's not forget about that, right? Absolutely. You know, if your livelihood is being put in a situation where it's not going smoothly... I could understand you being frustrated. If you have a bad day at work and you mess up on a couple of things and it yeah. just happens to be broadcast nationally in prime time, you'd be a little bit frustrated too. Just a tad. Just, just a tad. A tad. Yes, just a, a little. Tad. Yeah. Um, Giants fans, make sure you go and subscribe to the Giants Huddle podcast. It features long-form interviews with Giants players, coaches, and front office staff, past and present. Plus, hear from the best analysts covering Big Blue and the NFL. Search for Giants Huddle and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or go to Giants.com slash podcast. And don't forget, if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star positive review for all of our Giants podcasts. We do appreciate you listening, you spending the time, and you giving feedback. 201-939-4513 on a Tuesday afternoon. Big Blue kickoff live with Madeline Burke and Lance Meadow at Madeline Burke at Lance Meadow, M-E-D-O-W. Uh, we're on Big Blue kickoff live. And let's go back to the phone line. Scott in New Mexico is holding. Scott, how's it going? Good morning, uh Madeline and Lance. Good morning, uh, Scott. What's happening, Scott? Uh, I happen to agree with both of your points. I think what the caller was really referencing is that the head coach always gets the, uh, the major responsibility for the way the team is shaped. And as far as the Belichickian tree that you were talking about before I get to my main points, there's been a lot of coaches that came out of that Belichickian tree that didn't make it. Sure. Uh, Joe Judge, Charlie Weiss, Matt Patricia, uh, Romeo Cronell, 
the only one who's had some modicum of success is probably Mike Rabel in Tennessee. But other than that, not a lot of them have made it. But I don't think that's the case in Brian Davis. Well, but, but see, all, yeah, go all, ahead, Madam. And also, yeah. all people are different people, too. And as Correct. much as you're influenced and you see that you emanate and all that, I think in some semblance of it, you know, they're all doing this in their own or to, to the most success, their, their own right. authentic version. Yeah, but my, yeah, I mean, I my, my point, Scott, is I'm not talking about that from an X's and O's standpoint. I'm simply talking about you see how Bill Belichick handles pressers and most of the guys that you mentioned by the way Joe Judge and a lot of his assistants you know they're not very wordy individuals too if you watch their interactions with the media that's all I'm saying that that perhaps rubbed off on him now in fairness Brian Dable also worked for several other head coaches, and I'm right. sure he took bits and pieces from everybody, but he was around Bill Belichick for quite some time, and we know Bill's M.O., and it's not surprising to me when an assistant follows suit. That's all I'm saying. Correct. No, and I agree, and as I said, I think Brian Dable is going to make it. I don't want to lambast the Giants, but one of the things that does bother me is how do you resolve or how do you find resolutions to the problems that exist? For example, uh, there's no alpha receiver on this team. You can pick any other team in the league. They all have one. You saw CeeDee Lamb last night and what he can do. You saw um, A.J. Um, Brown in Philadelphia, uh, Metcalf in Seattle. You name a team, they all have an alpha receiver. But we seem to have a revolving door. And I, hopefully in the future as we move on, they will establish somebody that will be the alpha receiver for the Giants because I think you need that. Well, I think Darren but, Waller is the guy that they're hoping to assume that role. I think that's at least the philosophy. And I think it's hard to establish an alpha receiver when you're still just trying to establish a passing game consistently overall. Yeah, that's true. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Uh, but my main question is this. I'm a firm believer that if you can't run the football, you can't win a lot of football games. And the Giants overall have scored six touchdowns in six games, I believe. And I think four were in one game. There's that you know, uh, correct return, mm-hmm. and I don't know if there was another offensive. Uh, yeah, well, there was the the Matt Breida touchdown. I got it in front of right. me against San Francisco. Right. There were the four against the Cardinals, and then Pinnock makes mm-hmm. it six. So they've had five right. offensive scores, and they've had one defensive score. That's the six. Correct. Yeah. Okay, and that's six games. Uh, I think Denver holds the record for the most. <laughs> uh, Lack of scoring in quarters in the history of the NFL, I think, is 27. But the Giants are, are close to approaching that. And what worries me is the running attack. We look at Saquon Barkley, and he's only played in three games. But if you look at the other three backups, uh, Breida, Gray, and uh, Braidwell, Breida has 95 yards in six games. Eric Gray has 27 yards in six games. And Gary Brightwell has 19 yards in six games. And both of you know you need to have a complimentary second back in order to really establish, because Saquon can't do it all. And the real key is I'm looking to see whether with the trade deadline coming up, because I think the Giants are starting to turn a little bit of a corner, and with the offensive line as bad as it's been, it's starting to establish itself a little bit. But if you don't have runners 
that can back this up, that can free up the passing, because if you become one-dimensional, you're not going to score no matter. I mean, it doesn't matter uh, what the situation is. It's when, this is a zero-sum game. It's wins and losses. So uh, the running attack has to be, I think, proficient. In either of your opinions, do you think there's some way to improve that, or do they need to go out there and see if they can find a running back that would help the situation that exists? Because if you continue with these numbers, you're not going to win any football games. Well, so I wanted to get your perspective and uh, from both of you and see what you both think of that uh, possibility. Well, they average less than four yards per carry in each of the last four games as I bring up those numbers. So I'm with you, Scott. You, know, you have to improve those statistics. I don't think you'd get a savior through the trade deadline. I mean, unless you're acquiring Christian McCaffrey, who has the ability to create something out of nothing, you're not going to get a complimentary back who, to me, is going to elevate the offense because, Madeline, it goes back to what you were insinuating, the offensive line and also game flow. You right. know, when you're trailing... It's very hard to run the ball because you're playing catch-up. So that's number one that's impacted the run game. Number two, if the offensive line is not opening holes, I mean, even if you go back to the Buffalo game, there were a few times where Saquon was getting tackled as the handoff was occurring. Mm -hmm. So as good as Saquon is... How is he supposed to make up for that? Exactly. You it, bring another back in, how is he supposed to make up for that? Right, and it's almost like it doesn't matter who's back there. If you don't have the protection and if you don't have the game flow, too, if you're not prioritizing the run because you're saying, oh, wow, we're down three scores already. We need to be airing it out. We need to get you know passing, passing the ball because that's what it dictates. Um, yeah, it's harder to do. And I also don't think... You know, as much as, sure, dream scenario, do you want to have, you know, a Christian McCaffrey and a Saquon Barkley on the same team? Sure, but is that the priority right now? You know, Scott was talking about the trading deadline. Is that something that they're going to prioritize? I think when you look at the needs of this team, if there is a move made, I don't think that that is the priority considering the, you know, the necessary uh, reinforcements at offensive line that are needed, the, the, the other areas that could use more improvement. In, in, in that regard, right? Well, I think based on what you're saying, you got to also go back to, are you renting a guy right. for the remainder of the season? And I don't know if that benefits the Giants. I think if you're going to make a move, it's somebody that's in your plans beyond this season right. because you have to start thinking from that direction. I don't think you're going to get a savior off the offensive line because great offensive linemen stay with their current teams. Exactly. They don't give those guys away. And I go back to the running back position. Could you find the team that has three or four guys they're willing to get rid of somebody? Sure. But once again, he's going to be at the mercy of the offensive line. Okay? Yeah. It coexists. You don't have a running back. There are far few guys that I would say can make up for troublesome areas in the trenches. And I think Eric Gray has shown some flashes. Brightwell last season, I commended him. I thought he played very well in small opportunities. So I don't think it's a lack of talent on this roster. No, I think it's the conjunction of the running back and the offensive line and just not finding that rhythm. So I don't think a trade is going to overwhelmingly help this team. Right, and to the point where Scott you know, mentioned the, the amount of yardage that these guys have had, I don't think that that quantifies, number one, playing time, and number two game flow and situation, you know, and I think Eric Gray has shown us some flashes of what he's capable of. And if I'm, you know, the Giants front office, I'm looking at a player like that saying, I want to continue to develop this guy for the future. Uh, you know, a rookie guy. Who, They're young. Yeah. A young rookie who has high upside instead of saying, okay, let's, you know, get another 
piece of flex seal and put it over this <laughs> hole and that hole and, and build a boat out of a screen door, you know? Well, Madeline, I think you bring up a great point, and it actually reminds me of a lot of calls we filled on this show. They always want to see the young guys play, right? Play mm-hmm. the young offensive lineman. We heard that all offseason. Play this guy. Well, Eric Gray, you just drafted. Right. So what is the purpose of bringing in another running back, right, to tell Eric Gray, okay, move to the side so you can now watch and learn? He's got to play. He's got to play. That's the best way to develop him. So that's more of a reason why yeah. I don't think – a trade would be necessary because it would stunt the development and growth of the guys that you brought onto this roster. Right, and not every rookie is going to come onto the field looking like Puka Nakua, right? Sometimes it takes a while to build in. The Rams that. wide receiver, the by Rams the way, for those receiver, that may not yes. be following. No, yeah, this, no, I, I just I don't know if they're following the Rams roster. That's so. true. That's why. Well, I mean, yes. yeah, if you're not watching the league as a whole on, on Sundays, um, that's fair. But yeah, it, it's like sometimes you need to have you know guys coming in here, give them a chance to you know get their sea legs a little bit and sure. get into the flow of things. Um, Giants fans, make sure you can take your fandom to the next level with a season ticket membership. Stay connected to the club all year round, not just on game days. Memberships are now available for the 2023 season. To learn more about all the exclusive member benefits, visit Giants.com slash tickets. Limited inventory is available. It's 201-939-4513, a Tuesday afternoon Big Blue kickoff live with Madeline Burke and Lance Meadow. We've got Tone on line one calling from Houston. Tone, how's it going? Hey, what's going on, man? How you doing, Lance? Doing, doing right. well, doing well. What's happening? What's on your mind? Uh, so two things, two things. Um, one, kind of a joke, but kind of serious. Two, um, I think we have some type of black cat running around this organization <laughs> when it comes to injuries. First of all, that wow. happened cool. on the field at MetLife against the Cowboys in October a couple years ago. So Yeah, I remember. I was yeah. watching. I was watching. Yeah. It's, but, I mean... I think what since since 2011 that was the last bowl. So with that 12 years, I think we made the playoffs twice. But the the consistent thing across the board is this offensive line. No matter who we bring in, coaching wise, GM wise, we just can't figure this out. And then injuries, injuries, injuries. And I look at you know some of the top tier teams. Um, it pains me to say the Eagles and Cowboys, but you got to put them up there. Um, the Chiefs. I mean, even even the Bengals, I guess now Miami, and you just look at these teams and you see all the people that they're scouting and bringing in, and I just don't see the injury bug with them. And it's like, are we Well, I mean, in fairness, in fairness, Tone, the, the Eagles are dealing with some injuries on mm-hmm. defense. If you look at who they've lost, you've got, you know, Jalen Carter's been banged up, Darius Slay, their starting corner, Reed Blankenship at safety, Sidney Brown, who they brought in at safety via the draft. They have not been anywhere near full health. They lost to Kobe Dean, too. He's also been banged up at linebacker. So, you know, they've had some guys that have been taken out of the mix. I don't think they're immune to that right, necessarily. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and then you right, look at right. the Cowboys losing Trevon Diggs. Leighton Van Der Esch at linebacker. Yeah. You know, yeah. you look at the Bills losing uh, Matt Milano, White, linebacker. Matt Milano. Yeah. I think injuries are happening across the league at significant places. It's just a matter of how significant. You know, not every injury is Aaron Rodgers or Andrew sure. Thomas or somebody like that, but it's how you rebound and how much depth is, is there as well. Right, so so that's what I'm getting to. Cause it's, I feel like when we get hit, it pours. It's not just one or two. We just boom, boom, boom. And it's like, oh, hey, what do you want poor Dayball to do out here? We got nobody. You put me out there on the line. <laughs> like, what do you want him to do? 
Um, Well, the the biggest hit right now is on the offensive line. I mean, if that's what your point is, they've lost numerous starters on the offensive line. On defense, they're in pretty good shape. You can't really point to anybody of significance that they lost there. It's just, it's really the offensive line. That's the one area of this team that has been hit the hardest. Yeah, and the offensive line, which is like socks for Christmas. It's not something that everyone like puts on their wish list, but that is the most vital. You'll wear it every day, you know, and uh, it's a it's big it's big right. impact right there. One hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. So so to add on to this, and I'll take the second point off air. Um, so going back to what I said earlier, since I want to say since our last Super Bowl, it's always been no matter who's coaching or who the GM is, we just can't figure out this offensive line to save our lives. And obviously, if you guys had the answer, we would have it figured out by now. But what what do you guys think? I mean, we we keep bringing people in. I don't want to call Evan Neal a bust, but it's looking that way. Like, like what, are, what are we doing wrong with this offensive line that, like, nobody can seem to get it figured out? And that, and then my, my last point is, at some point, they both got to take play calling away from Kafka because it's getting kind of hard to watch. I mean, it, I mean, I don't know what Kafka's doing up there, but or what he's seeing, but they both got to take it away. It's, it's, we got we got to pull the reins back over there, so. Um, with that being said, I'll take the rest of it off air. Thank you guys. Have a uh, rest of a great day. Thanks right. so much for calling appreciate in, call. Tone. Appreciate it. Well, with respect to play calling, I mean, I think that's the easiest thing to turn to for most people. And I think you got to look at the limitations on the roster that have contributed to some of the offensive struggles. I mean, there's not really anything in particular that jumps out to me in this last Bills game where I would say it was play calling that did them in. I think it was more of, once again, the lack of execution in the red zone. And that goes back to, we had a call earlier about needing to run the football. Well, where do you need to run the football? You need to run the football inside the 20. If you can't run the football inside the 20, you're not going to finish drives. And whether it's the Saquon Barkley play at the end of the first half, or even some of the plays that led up to the attempts to Darren Waller in the end zone, you need to be able to pound the ball. Just as a point of contention here, if you look at the Buffalo Bills, they brought in Latavius Murray. I know Damian Harris got hurt. And James Cook, they don't want Josh Allen running left and right in the red zone. They want to use the conventional backs. And I think they've made strides. They still have room for improvement. You have to run the football in the red zone. So, you know, that to me is execution more so than a play calling problem. And I think actually the adjustments they made where they moved Tyrod Taylor out of the pocket against the Bills to buy the offensive line time, you know, that goes hand in hand with play calling. That means you're Mm -hmm. strategizing to say, okay, we have issues up front, but we're going to do things things to make sure that our offense doesn't take a step back. I think the coaching staff actually should be commended and the players, both the offensive line and Tyrod Taylor for doing a nice job in terms of navigating that. As far as what to do with the offensive line, I feel like we get peppered with these questions every single show. There's a distinct difference, Madeline, between not doing anything to address the offensive line versus doing your due diligence, but unfortunately guys not panning out. Mm -hmm. And the last caller brought up injuries. Well, if you look back, a number of the guys that they've drafted over the last few years unfortunately got banged up. You know, even a guy like Weston Richburg at center, mm-hmm. yep. he dealt with his fair share of injuries. Pew, who's now back, go back and look at games he missed right. during he his Giants off tenure. An ACL. He's, he's dealt with injuries. Correct. Going back to his Arizona days. So, you know, that I think interrupted the development of some of these players. And then unfortunately, when guys get hurt and you don't have the same players next to one another and you're playing musical chairs, 
it's hard to develop guys because right. John Michael Schmitz, for example, right, Madeline, you came into the season, you wanted him at center. Now you take him out of the lineup, so the two guards are no longer playing with John Michael Schmitz. Now they're playing with Ben Bredesen. Mm -hmm. John Michael Schmitz is going to come back. And Ben Bredesen, who was playing guard. Correct. Now he's he's going to yeah. assume go back to guard, but then, yep. you know, McKeithen's gone in some play. He's another young guy. It's hard for guys to get on the same page. It's not excuses. It's just this is the reality of what's happening right. with respect to the offensive line right now, and it involves young guys not having the time and the luxury to get comfortable with Well, one and that's also the reason that you see some of these twists and stunts really kind of throwing this offensive line unit for a loop because when you are playing – with the front five, you need to be able to kind of intuitively know, okay, the guy to my left is doing this, the guy to my right is doing this, and what have you, and trust that. Um, if if the guy to your left is somebody new every week and the guy to your right is somebody you're like, okay, I know you haven't played that position, so I'm going to look out of the side of my eye to make sure you've got your coverage and your guy handled so I'm not fully focused on my task at hand as well. It just kind of – and then when defenses are coming with some creative looks, the stunts and the, the twists, stunts yeah. and the twists and all that kind of stuff, and you're you're sitting here. If I'm if I'm paying attention to everyone around me, making sure the rest of this line is doing their job, because I know that four out of five guys are out of position, and we're not focused on what's going on over here. That's that's how these guys get thrown off so often, and it's you know of course a question we get asked so many times is, well, how do you fix this problem? If if Lance and I knew, don't you think that you know the coaching staff would as well? Well, that's assuming but, they'd listen to us, I Madeline. Know, I know that. <laughs> That's, That's the key ingredient in between. But it's yeah. also, it, it's not exclusive to the offensive line, but it's glaringly obvious with the offensive line. But when you draft talent, when you draft players as a whole, there are so many more misses than hits. You oh, know, absolutely. Yeah. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Every year we go into draft season, we sing the praises of this player and that player and a generational talent, and this guy's going to change the way that this position is played. And five years later, you haven't said his name, you know? And there are so many players like that. Um, when it comes to the offensive line, too, a position that there are teams throughout the league are struggling to find and struggling to fill the, the back, uh, the density of that position group, then it just becomes that much more obvious how hard it is to A, translate the position from college to pro, and B, find people that have that staying power, that health, and that long-term success that you need for a starting five that can stay healthy, stay together, and, and be a solid unit. Well, because you look at the division, the Eagles and the Cowboys, who have a pretty good track record of drafting offensive linemen just right. to go the opposite end of the spectrum. And in fairness, they've dealt with some injuries. Dallas sure. lost Travis Frederick to an early retirement, and they've dealt with some injuries this season. And Philadelphia has had some guys in and out of the lineup. But they also have some younger guys that I think they've had the luxury of developing yes. while the starters are playing. And the problem with the Giants is, okay, and if we apply that thinking to this season— the starters that you penciled in got hurt. Right. So you don't have the opportunity, Madeline, to develop the guys behind the starters because you need now those guys to start playing immediately. Exactly. And now you're throwing them to the wolves. It's a baptism by fire. And, you know, it could be a rude awakening, especially if you went into this season, and I'm sure they may have said, not necessarily a red shirt year, meaning we don't want to play the guy, but maybe we give him some spot opportunities here. They're great, but we're not thinking that he's going to be a staple of the offensive line. The Giants, they're not in a position to have that luxury right. with any of the guys right. on the depth chart at this point. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to do. And I think positionless, you know, across the league, I mean, we see so often with quarterbacks, quarterback gets drafted and sits a year and then gets a start. And so often we find success in that formula as well. It's a lot harder to just come in and be like, okay, here's the keys to the castle, run it. 
Um, so we'll see. But of course, uh, the 2023 NFL schedule officially out. Single game tickets are on sale now. Don't miss the Giants at MetLife Stadium this season. Visit Giants.com slash tickets to secure your seat today. Of course, the next one, Sunday, 1 p.m., hosting the Commanders. It's Big Blue Kickoff Live, 201-939-4513 on a Tuesday afternoon with Madeline Burke and Lance Meadow. We've got Ron in Glenrock on line two. Ron, how are you doing? Thanks for calling BBK. I'm, 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 I'm doing well. Nice to talk to you guys again. Um, r- real quick on the first caller, I really respect that he goes to every game. I, I go to every home game, but I sit on the other side in the mez, so I can't really see yeah. stable. But I, I love a guy that takes a loss so hard. Same. So that, yeah. And fr- frankly, you know, I could have probably coached Michael Jordan to a championship, right? <laughs> I, I thought we had, I'm still depressed over Sunday. Don't misunderstand me, but I thought we had our best game. But two, two quick questions. One on that. I think Phil Jackson would beg to differ. I just want to throw that he in, might. Clint. But yes, <laughs> just a tad. Yes. You, yeah. you get my point, though. No, no, yeah, I, I got your point. Yeah. It's much, much harder to coach the team when. Yeah. Everything's falling apart. Sure, when you have limited personnel. But you got Michael Jordan anyway. I can coach Michael Jordan to a championship. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, on that play, obviously we shouldn't have called the run. But you you mentioned a second ago, Lance, or one of the times or two of the times the the defense was in the backfield. Did the the front line get the audible change? Is that a crazy question to ask? But. Uh, which player are you talking about? Yeah, which player are you referring to? Are you talking about the end of the first half? Um, the the, the yeah. right, right tackle, right guard, the last play of the game, the last play of the oh, half. The- the last play they the had. Yeah. The well, I mean that yeah. was that was Tyrod Taylor having the I alert. Know that, but yeah, but it's, no, no. Well, what what it is is when a play is called, there's there, you know there's several options on a play, right? Whether it's a passing play and you've got one, two, three, four receivers, or it's a passing run option play, which this one was. Now this right. was a run option play, but with the time left on the clock, it was prudent to say we're we're passing the ball. However, when you look at the way that the defensive front was lined up, had had you been in any other position, any other field position. You audible to the run because the run is the more favorable matchup against that defense. However, not taking into consideration that there's just 14 seconds on the clock, you don't have enough time to run the ball, I, I, get everyone up, and that is where I, that is where the misstep is because Tyrod read I the defense well. He read the defense well. He made the right decision for that defense. He made the wrong decision for that time on the clock. But it was not like he's changed the play. He just went with another another option within the play. I, I get that, but you, you're you're confident that the, the whole front line got that memo, if you will. Well, I think it's obvious it, that I think Saquon got the memo, right? I mean, Saquon clearly Saquon wasn't Saquon. caught out of position. I mean, it's important for Saquon right. to know the change, right? Because now he knows he's not pass protecting or maybe running a route. He's actually running with the football. So Saquon clearly got the message. I mean, I can't answer you about whether or not all five offensive linemen, to your point, Glenn, you know, were aware of what Tyrod did. I didn't see a full breakdown on that play that an offensive lineman was caught out of position. I saw the Buffalo Bills have a good read. They rallied to the ball and they stopped Saquon Barkley. It's as simple as that. And listening to what Tyron had to say, I think, you know, sometimes when you're so immersed in what you're doing, you see the defensive front, you make the change, but then you lose sight of, oh my God, there's 14 seconds left. It's the end of the half. I think that's what happened to Tyron. He got so caught up in, okay, I don't like this defensive front. I'm going to change to a run and forgot, wait a minute, we only have 14 seconds. We're at the end of the first half. See, it would have been a great decision if there was a minute left on the clock. Nobody would be talking about it. The problem is well, well, he didn't have that luxury. Great decision if it worked, too. Then we well, of course. Sure. Yeah. But, he, but even if it doesn't work, 
look, you know, you could respect a quarterback who's a veteran to realize, based on his judgment and how many years he has in the league, that he's at least making a rational decision. Ron, I think you were just asking basically if they were maybe pass blocking instead of run blocking. Yes. So that maybe that's In why part, the play yeah. didn't work. Gotcha. Yeah, and that, and yeah. once again, unless the offensive linemen are asked, and I don't want to make assumptions on their part, I can't answer that question, Glenn. Right, especially because when you look at the way that the play is called with a run-pass option, you know, you, you think that, yeah, uh, you don't know what they were told, you know what the assignment was, you just kind of see how it went on the field. And it did not uh, turn into points, which is a bummer for sure. Right. Yeah. So one, one last thing, a little bit out of left field, and I'll, I'll take it off the air, but I was expecting a little bit more from Isaiah Simmons. Um, what, what are you guys seeing? What, what, what's going on there? And what do you think we can expect going forward? And thanks for taking my call. Thanks sure. so much for calling, Ron. Appreciate it, Glenn. I, I think it goes back to snap count with Isaiah Simmons, and, and clearly it has fluctuated over the course of the season thus far. You know, when you look at his numbers in comparison to the rest of the defense, Isaiah Simmons has played 36% of the snaps. So, I mean, that's not a number that is overwhelming, doesn't jump off the page. I think right. Wink is of the mindset. And he had insinuated this when they acquired him that, you know, they're going to pick and choose their moments and how they're going to utilize him. And they're also not going to necessarily line him up and have him service the same role. It looked to me as if he was shadowing Josh Allen a little bit in the last game. And you can understand them wanting that because Allen right. easily could take off and run. He Even didn't do a lot of that. Surprising. Yeah. yeah, they had a spy on him in Isaiah Simmons, but it was surprising the fact that they didn't, he did didn't really use his legs and there were a lot of moments where you know in watching the game you thought oh there's where he's going to break off and, and he didn't so yeah well curious he's not running as much as he did in previous seasons and that right. goes back to Madeline when I said earlier they brought in Latavius Murray and Damian Harris and, and they want the also, conventional backs yeah and he's also addressed that he wants to kind of prioritize his own health and longevity sure. and perhaps that's a decision that he's made of okay let me protect myself and not put myself in that position well because he had the elbow injury last yep. season clearly that impacted him and you saw the hits he took from the Giants on Sunday, especially when he had to go out of the game, and he's probably going to be on the injury report upcoming for their next contest, but he did get the better of the Giants in the fourth quarter because yes. there were a lot of plays he made where he eluded a would-be tackler, rolled out of the pocket, and you know it's hard for the secondary to keep up because now you're wondering, do we go after Josh Allen? Right. Do we converge on him because he may try to run for the first down, or do we stay back? And I mean, the touchdown that gave them the lead, that was a play with Josh Allen's legs. So I think they went in thinking Allen's probably going to look to run a little bit more. It didn't happen, and perhaps Wink decided to change things up and not needing certain personnel on the field. But I think what we've seen, at least to get back to the caller's question with Isaiah Simmons, he's not one of those players where he'll play 85% of the snaps every game. And sure. you know exactly what you're getting out of him. It's going to be matchup-based. And when Wink thinks his skill set can match up well, you know, then that perhaps changes the story. Now, if we look ahead, Madeline, they're going up against Sam Howell, who you're referencing. Sam can run too. Yeah. So, you know, maybe Isaiah Simmons is valuable in Wink's eyes for a matchup like this because we've seen Sam will take off. He'll be a big part of the run game. He did it at UNC in college. Yeah. So this could be perhaps somewhat of a continuation of what they saw with Josh Allen. Well, and yeah, Sam Howell is going to be a tricky one. He's got, uh, he's currently got more completions than Tua Tagovailoa and Jared Goff, 145 completions. More passing yards, Sam Howell does, than Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow, uh, 1,500. More passing touchdowns than Jalen Hurts and Matthew Stafford. And a better passer rating than every quarterback in his class besides Brock Purdy. 
And he's doing that all while being the most sacked quarterback in the NFL. So as much as we talk about the pressure that, you know, teams are putting on Sam Howell and all that kind of stuff, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, you throw, throw a little extra on them as well. Yeah, well, no, he's been productive. Yeah. Uh, there's been some mixed results, but there are games where Washington's been able to put points on the board. I would say the reason why he probably has more completions than two is because Tua throws one pass for 97 yards, whereas Sam's got to work a little bit. Got to dink and dunk his way <laughs> yeah. down the field a little bit. You know, it yeah. takes him five or six passes to get to 97 yeah. yards. You look at a Miami, yeah. uh, Miami touchdown drive, one play, 97 yards. <laughs> yeah, so that would perhaps be the rationale. And we know Jalen Hurts and the yeah. running game with the Eagles maybe take away from some Absolutely. passing opportunities. No, all good numbers and, and all relevant. And I, I do think it does tell the story that this is why Washington gave him the starting opportunity. And Ron Rivera has said if they knew that this is what Sam would have provided, they would have probably put him in the lineup late last season. So this is not a team that you could take lightly, not to say that the Giants are in a position to do that for anybody at this point. But yeah, Sam's legs and his passing ability will challenge the Giants defense. There is no doubt about that. Absolutely. But yeah, circling back to just, you know that point too about Simmons, I think the biggest point of why the caller is saying he's not seeing a lot is just like you mentioned, 36%. It's not on the field every down, every play. Uh, and that can only be producing so much. Um, the Giants' official connected TV streaming app, Giants TV, brings original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to big blue fans. Giants TV is free on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire TV, and on the Giants mobile app. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. It's Big Blue Kickoff Live 201-939-4513 on Tuesday afternoon with Madeline Burke and Lance Meadow. We've got Bobby in Maryland Holding on line one. Bobby, thanks so much for calling into the show. Hey, how you guys doing today? Doing right. Doing well. What's on your mind? I just want to talk about Daniel Jones. And hi, Madeline, and hi, Lance. How you doing? Um, I'm doing pretty good. On the report on the game Sunday when we were talking about the game, he said he had pain down to his left shoulder. And he's worried about taking contact. Now, yeah, I heard that was the report. Yeah, That was from Melissa Stark. Melissa yeah. Stark reported that Daniel Jones told her he had pain down his left shoulder. Just clarifying for the, the listeners out there that hadn't heard it. Right, right. I'm thinking if he's having pain in his left shoulder and he's worried about taking contact, he shouldn't be out there. So shouldn't he possibly think about putting him on a short-term IR just because he's going to try to earn his contract and try to be there for his teammates and his team. I understand that. But the same token is it's not just risking his long-term health inquiry? Well, the uh, report, I mean, the report also indicated, according to Melissa Stark, that that was one of the reasons why they held Daniel Jones out, Bobby, to answer your question, because they were concerned about him being put in a spot where if he does get hit, it could make the pain worse. So they're obviously taking that into consideration. And you know, more often than not, sometimes a player will exude confidence in an interview, and that doesn't mean that necessarily the team has given him the green light. And that's just my pure speculation. I don't know what's going to happen. We'll see once the injury report comes out on Wednesday. But you know, just because a player may feel good about his chances of playing does not mean it's going to happen. If you remember, when Daniel spoke to the media after the game in which he got hit in Miami— 
he seemed to indicate that he wasn't going to miss time and he was going to yep. be ready to go. And then he winds up missing time well, and, and he doesn't same, practice much. And he said the same and similar comments back in 2021 sure. when he yeah. was like, no, my goal is to be out there. My goal is to play. He ended up missing six games that season because of a neck, neck injury. And a neck is something that this oh, yeah. team, this training staff, this medical staff will take absolutely very seriously. But Bobby, you know this. Daniel Jones is a tough guy. He He's the type of guy who's running towards, not away from it. And he wants to be out there with his teammates. He knows, you know, he wants to be out there in the trenches with this group. So, of course, he wants to be out there on Sunday. My goal is to play Sunday is what we hear him say time and time again because that is his goal to play Sunday. That being said, when you have an injury like that, you want to protect it. This team will absolutely do everything they can to protect it, especially, you know, coming off a game on Sunday. We saw Damian Harris go down in a scary way. You know, these injuries are very scary, very real. And, you know, for those of you who haven't seen it yet, He's doing well. He's resting at home in the concussion protocol. Damian Harris, I'm talking about. Uh, the Bills running back, he seems to be in good spirits, doing just fine. But, of course, you know, you see something like that. You see, you want to make sure that they're taking precautions and taking care, and they absolutely are, which is why no matter what Daniel Jones is going to say, yes, I want to be out there on the field because he wants to be out there on the field. His goal is to play on Sunday because his goal is to play on Sunday. But it's the job of the medical staff to make sure that he is not at risk of anything severe if he's going back out there. Yeah, I mean, they have to sometimes protect the player from himself. We sure. see that more often than not. And I think there's also a distinct difference between the medical team perhaps saying, okay, he could go out there and whether or not Daniel Jones feels he could perform his duties at a high level. Absolutely. So, for example, Deshaun Watson, interestingly, the quarterback for the Cleveland Browns, he's missed the last two games, and there have been reports that he was medically cleared, according to Kevin Stefanski, the head coach. But, you know, as I've explained to people on my serious show, there's a distinct difference between the medical team saying, okay, if you get hit, you're not going to further harm you, but does he feel confident enough that he could make the throws? And, you know, Daniel's going to have to answer that question himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is the issue with whatever's going on with the pain that was insinuated in this report, does that serve as a barrier for him to get out there and execute the game plan? Because that's the other half of the equation, Madeline. It's one thing to say, yeah. okay, you're not going to further harm yourself, but can you throw the ball with ease where it doesn't put the offense in a tough spot right. where can, they can't move the chains? Can you complete the task at hand? And is yeah. your being out there and being the tough guy and showing up for your team, is that helping or hurting your team in doing well, so. Because defenses will catch on to that exactly. sooner or later. They're going to tell whether or not the quarterback can throw 30, 40 yards down the field. Exactly. They'll see that immediately. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, would, I agree with you guys. I agree with you 100%. All right, Bobby. Thanks. Appreciate the phone call. Yeah. One oh, last thing. Sure. I glad my phone Charlie today. <laughs> Wait, what did you say? I, I don't know. What what'd you say, Bobby? You still there? No, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad I'm better than Charlie in the call right now. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Gotcha. Thanks so much for the call, Bobby. Uh, yeah, we didn't get a call from Charlie so far today. Well, there's also limitations and barriers in place to mm-hmm. prevent that call from coming through, too. So oh. he's known as uh, our top-tier producer. I'll oh. leave it at that. Oh, I, yes. I'm familiar. I'm okay. familiar. Uh, and you know what? Listen, big fan. Big fan of all the callers who call in regularly to this show. But, yeah, it is tricky. And, um, you know, when you're dealing with an injury like Daniel Jones is, especially an injury that he's dealt with before in a varying capacity. Of course, he said that this is a different neck injury than 2021, but a neck is a very um, significant thing that needs to be handled with care. And I think that, or I know that the Giants training staff and Daniel Jones are taking this very seriously. And so far, they've been in good hands with Tyrod Taylor under quarter or under center in the interim. He's getting the ball out quickly. He's, you know, he's getting the job done. In the meantime, well, this is why they went out and got Tyrod Taylor. 
in comparison to what went on in 2021 when it was Jake Fromm and Mike Glennon and the offense struggled. You have a veteran who has starting experience, who knows how to run the offense. He has mobility so he could do things that Daniel Jones did. And that's why I go back to one of the most encouraging takeaways to me was how they had a game plan and they said, okay, we have limitations up front. How do we prevent the team with 21 sacks that leads the NFL from damaging the game and making it like Seattle? And what they came to grips with was the fact that, okay, let's utilize Tyrod's legs. Let's move the pocket. Let's shift things so that Von Miller has to go all the way from the left side to the right side and he has to journey through hills and mountains. Let's make it difficult. You know, and I know we're chuckling and I'm no, not I'm trying to make like a light of it. No, no, I wasn't accusing you. It's like very yeah. Oregon Trail. There you go. Grandma well, gets dysentery. Correct. The, the video term. game yeah. on the computer. Absolutely. So you're speaking my language. Yeah. You're singing my tune. And that's what they develop. And it executed very well according to plan I mean I know it didn't lead to a win but you could tell they said we're not going to go through this all over again and that is a sign of if Tyrod's got to go out there again depending on what happens with Daniel Jones I don't see why they can't duplicate that and see whether or not they could test some of these pass rushes because Madeline you read off the four guys up front for Washington Washington has strength on the interior yeah and the exterior, okay? Yep. They could get pressure in both ways. So, you know, there's no gap in the defense where you say, okay, we could breathe. Are there issues on the secondary? They have some young guys, absolutely. But if those guys up front disrupt, it doesn't matter what's happening in the secondary because I would have said the same thing where the Dolphins had some questions on the back end. And the Dolphins won in the trenches and did not allow the Giants to try to take advantage of some of the weaknesses on the back end of the defense. Absolutely. And games are won and lost in the trenches. No matter how much the highlight plays say otherwise, that is a very important and imperative part of this matchup. This is the second this is just the second division game for the Giants this season. Week seven. Um you know, obviously we know how the first one went in week one against the Dallas Cowboys, but Despite the one and five record, Lance, what is it? They're, they're two games out of the wild card, and oh, I know, well. <laughs> I know, it's ridiculous and laughable to be still very about, early, but yeah. it is still very early. That is a perspective shift right here for you guys because it, so much can change in so little time, and it just is a matter of turning the tide, stacking the wins, and peaking at the right time. And I'm just, I'm looking at the way that this locker room is holding together. I'm looking at the way that the energy around this group, this team is still very optimistic. You know, it's, you get a win on Sunday and the tide can turn real quick. Well, you got to start stacking those W's. And it takes one to begin the stacking process. So, you know, right now they're trying to snap this four game skid. But as I've said time and time again, the defense, if you can get that type of performance, the offense then has to meet them halfway because yeah. it's going to put too much strain on this defense. And you saw that, Madeline. You saw eventually Josh Allen and the Bills defense got the better of the Giants, right? Yes. It wasn't the lack of effort. It wasn't intensity. It was just that you give Josh Allen X amount of chances and at-bats. He's going to use his legs. He's going to find Stephon Diggs in the middle of the field. He's going to find guys in the end zone. So what can the offense do here moving forward? No matter who's out there, Madeline, yeah. we could sit here and talk about the shifting offensive line and Saquon's back and whether Daniel Jones or Tyrod Taylor plays. I understand that people want to focus on that, but right now I'm saying that's irrelevant. It's yeah. a matter of whatever you're working with, what can you get production-wise? And if this continues with the 10-point barometer, 
it unfortunately doesn't mean much of anything how good the defense plays. You have to start getting that point total up. You have to finish in the red zone. You have to trade these field goals for touchdowns. And when that starts to happen, that's when I think the results will be reflected in the standings. Right. The defense can, you know, tackle better. They can win the turnover differential. They can be going up against a commander's team that ranks in the bottom five in giveaways and sacks allowed in 2023. But none of that won't will matter if the offense doesn't do their part of the job as well. It's a little help me help you kind of journey. Rub my back, rub your back. Yes, exactly. But you know what? Giants commanders, 1 p.m. Sunday at MetLife Stadium. We'll continue to preview that one and talk all things Giants this week on Big Blue Kickoff Live with a week full of shows. But that's it for us today. Lance Meadow, Madeline Burke, thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. It's a part of the Giants podcast platforms everywhere and giants.com slash podcast. Like, subscribe, review, give us a thumbs up, a five star, all that kind of stuff. Let, Let us know what you think. And thanks so much for joining us today. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.